Hi, I'm Joshua Long. And I'm Kevin Echmendia. On this episode of Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry, we dive into part two with Andrew Artoski, gaffer in the Tampa Bay region. And on this episode, we hear a really interesting perspective on how Andrew views the industry. Um, if you guys couldn't tell, uh, in part one, Andrew is a very technical individual. And he actually, the way he processes gear, lighting, and the direction the industry is going, it, he, he sheds a very positive and insightful view of the industry. Without further ado, part two with Andrew Ortoski. So, I mean, as the, as the podcast progresses, we'll be diving into a lot of what uh, Josh and I do for a living. Um, but with TSM, I produce and DP all of our content. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, you've taught me a lot as you know, the communicate, what the communication should be like with a DP and a gaffer, yeah. um, for DPs that are coming up, whether they're in the TV movie, commercial, small budget world, doesn't really matter. Do you have one or two things that you would highly recommend a DP do when they immediately talk to their gaffer or a new gaffer? Is there anything that just kind of comes to mind? Like, you know, um, whether, you know, give you stills for, um, just, the look of the project, um, give you a phone call. Uh, what's, what's something that you just kind of want every DP to start the conversation with? I mean, first and foremost, um, I would just ask them, you know, what kind of lighting are you looking for in this project? Okay. So whether it be corporate, uh, or commercial or narrative. Okay. So you're not, but you're not asking them to tell you like, Oh, use a Gemini light. You want them to say no, something like soft light or a hard light kicker. Yeah. Yeah. The way, the way I approach it is the way kind of, I think other trades approach, um, their jobs. Uh, I don't ask what type of tools do you want me to use? Because that's kind of implied. I ask, what do you want the end effect to be? Um, because you don't ask a plumber, well, what tool would you use to fix this leak? Right. You right. say, Hey, I want the leak fixed. And then you just expect them to use their box of tools to fix it. I think it's very similar and that's kind of how I treat, uh, lighting. Okay. So <clears throat> I know firsthand from some other, uh, cinematographers that I know sure. um, that they're very quick to say that they have, for example, an airy sky panel. Yeah. Yeah. How much validity do you put into someone that immediately says like, Oh, I have, uh, I'm, I'm renting three sky panels and Titan tubes, but they don't really have a game plan as to how they're going to use them. Um, I, I mean that there could be a steep, uh, learning curve into what's possible and what's not. It just all depends on the project. Right. Uh, I see where you're going with this. Um, the previous project, uh, that I gaffed for Alex, that was the, uh, speed of time yeah, where Josh and I were on the GE yeah. team as well. Um, it, it wasn't so much, Hey, we're going to build this package. That was Kevin's phone. Everybody yeah, just vibrating. Silent, the phone. Yeah. You me crap. My apologies. It's, yeah. It is on silent now. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. It's usually work for us. So, you know. Yeah, I, I could be booking all of us I've for gotten, a five day job now. I've gotten so used to just my phone staying on silent, period. Yeah. You know, it never goes off silent anymore. That, that this yeah. is what happens. And, yeah. and you know why mine was not on silent? It was mm. because it was charging in the other room and I wanted to be able to hear it. Did Andrew hook it up for you? Yes, he did, because <laughs> I did not want to get electrocuted. So, um, so yes, uh, back on track. Wow. Um, That's speed, my of, fault. speed of time with Alex. Um, so basically, it wasn't. 
hey, let's build this lighting package around a tech scout that the DP, the key grip, the gaffer, and the department heads go on, and then they decide what they need to have in their toolbox. It was more, okay, this is what the production services company is giving us, well, paying for. Uh, this is what's available to us, and this is what we're going to use to make X, Y, and Z happen. Um, that That's the kind of project it was. Yeah. Um, and that's what you have to embrace, right? You you have to find that happy medium where, like I said earlier, you don't bring all the problems to the table to your boss, who is the DP. You bring solutions. Yeah. And and that was one of the big things I had to, um, I had to manage that um, because there were a lot of times when he's like, well, we don't have this, we don't have that, we don't have this. And I'm like, well, you know, we could do this, this, and this. Instead of him, me saying, well, you're right, yeah, we can't do this and this and this either. I, I, that's not going to help. That just compounds problems. Be a problem solver. Yeah, be a problem solver, right? Um, one, another key component of being a department head, um, you're not only being paid for what you know about the equipment, but you're being paid for your experience and experiential knowledge of how to solve problems and how to manage them, I, I think. And that's what that's the difference in experience levels. Yeah, I was gonna, is, do you feel like that's one of the main things that really separates, you know, a lot of times when you get, you know, indie producers coming in and they want crew and they, they always want it cheaper, right. you know? Do you feel like experience is obviously probably numero uno when it comes to what different, you know, what oh, makes absolutely. a difference between... I mean, that can determine the pace and scale of a production mm -hmm. and just being on set. If you're on a set that's tense and everybody's frantic and running around like chickens with their heads cut off, chances are there's not a lot of experience involved. When you get a producer like that that is looking for, you know, crew for next to nothing, what what do you kind of tell him as far as why is it important to, you know, why should I make what I make? Why is it important to have someone like me? Well, I've had this conversation. First and foremost, it's about making the job happen. Right. And ultimately, things arise. Things happen. Problems happen. So you're there because of your knowledge and you're being paid, you're being compensated what you are because you have the experience and ability and you have the confidence to make it happen, right? Because ultimately, the equipment, right, doesn't make the show. It's the people, that operate the equipment and that physically do it in the time and space they're given. Right. So, you know, I have this saying, physics always wins. Physics does always win. You just always have to be willing and able to understand and foresee what's coming in your future as far as the show goes, right? If, if you're, you know, eight hours into your day and you have a company move and you want to be out in 12, that's uh, four hours. Yeah. You know, chances are... You better have a pretty good game plan. What do you think is the most overlooked thing when it comes to production dealing with the G&E department? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Well, I'd, I'd say there's probably um, two factors. Is first, first and foremost, our footprint. Uh, just the size and the amount of space required to put said gear somewhere. Um, and that also includes parking with mm -hmm. our trucks. Now, this could happen on even a large show. Um, I was recently on a show where, no joke, the grip truck was almost a quarter mile of away 
from set. So anytime we needed something that wasn't on our normal package that pushes to set on the carts, we would have to go a quarter a mile away, quarter of a mile away to get it. Now, did you have like a mule or, or ATV no, or something? No, we didn't. Mm. We were carrying 20 by pipe to make menace arms from the truck. And the reason why is just the location and it was right. location. So that, that I, I can't speak for why it exactly happened on the logistics of why it happened. Cause it's a major show. There's a lot of different moving parts, but for some reason we weren't a priority <laughs> and, uh, it, it ended up costing us time. It was like a 16, 17 hour day. Right. Yeah. And that cost time and money. Um, I found another thing is, um, productions, especially the Indies, don't account for rigging time and de-rigging time. Chances are anything that you watch on ma any major outlet, uh, whether it be cable or streaming service, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, um, there's usually a rigging crew and a de-rigging crew in Grip and Electric. Um, the cable doesn't magically just get laid from the generator. Yeah, and they the go distro. there the day before, yeah, or they even go hours there before, the, day before, the main weeks before. There, yeah. You know, some of them months before to set up major scenes. Um, in the indie world, they think a five-ton truck and a major setup for a you know night exterior um, can be done simultaneously as the shooting crew is there. And Yes, it's been done and it can be done. And I've done it, unfortunately, many times. I don't want to admit it, but I mean, it's just going back to that problem solving, troubleshooting, managing right. expectations, right? Um, you had to give in to, you had to, some concessions to make as far as what the look was, but you got it done and it worked in the picture and it worked, it was fine. But yeah, I'd say rigging and de-rigging crews is one of those things where, you know, it, you have to have them. It, it's it's part of the the process. Um, it's part of the, the construction of the set. And we had one of those recently. Um, yeah, we did. Where we were down in uh, Palmetto. Palmetto. There was um, big tree kind of situation where they wanted hanging lights off from this what? Yeah, we had like a ten thousand square foot area mm -hmm. that we had to lay all the cable and rig for a night exterior. Had yeah, to hide, had the, hide the, the day in the lift, just putting tea lights in this entire tree. Yeah, yeah this yeah. thing was a hundred. This tree was what a hundred, hundred and fifty years old. Yep, massive, yep. beautiful tree. But yeah. they wanted tea lights. Yeah, so throughout all the entirety, they wanted to see it through the branches yep. on the clear opposite side as well. Basically, that day I ended up becoming the rigging gaffer, and I went on to this location. We went ahead of the main shooting company, and we went to Palmetto, and we took a separate lighting and grip package mm -hmm. and set it up out there. Josh is so, in the condor the whole day. Yeah. So most, as most of my days are spent sometimes. Yeah. So, um, and, and while we were doing that, the other company was technically off because they had just done a night and they were coming in for another night and which they were coming in for another night. Why the tea so, lights were exactly. playing at night. Yeah. And we were rigging during the day when they come in at night. Um, so if you're, you know, on a shooting crew, um, chances are you don't usually see the rigging crew, or the de-rigging crew, which is typically just the rigging crew. It's just doing the opposite. They they were there for an hour before. Yeah, and I would and I would say if you can get on any crew, getting on rigging crew yeah. is the life. You know, that's that's <laughs> it, what it you aspire to. It all depends on the show, I think. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's usually there's less politics. You're just kind of out there doing your thing, and when you're done, you're done. Yeah. Um, you you don't have to 
deal with actors. You don't have to deal with other departments, you yep. know, as far as being around and time constraints and location constraints. You're you're just there to execute and then you're you're out. You're not there with all circus. Yep. What would you say the most important piece to your kit is? And then also what would you say is like your go to items that you would use as far as gear? Your uh, your lighting gear. Okay. Um, in my kit, I mean, I have a standard tool belt kit. Um, just the one item. Just the I one have an item. Idea. I, I think I know what that item is, but I just want to see what it is. And I mean, I would. The one item that if you couldn't have any of your stuff with you and you could only take this one thing to set, what would it be? Oh, I would say probably, I mean, this is probably going to be cliche, but probably my Leatherman. Okay. Because I mean. I, he surprised me with that one. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, need it. You know, for whatever, to cut, trim, pull, scrims, whatever, you know, on hot lights. Or yeah, sure. Jo Josh, what were you going to say? Yeah, what were you going to say? You know, in retrospect, thinking about it, I'm kind of like, you know what? Knowing Andrew, he probably doesn't need it. What is it? Because nowadays, you know, as opposed to when we were younger, nowadays he walks into a room and he goes, oh, yeah, that's a 5.6. Oh, my light meter? Yeah. Oh, you're oh, going to say my light he meter? He doesn't need the light meter No, he anymore. doesn't really need it anymore, does not does need the, no. So, uh, yeah, on that last job, I think I pulled it out like twice. Yeah. yeah. And you probably pull out your color meter more than you do the light yeah, meter Yeah, I now. do. Yeah, I definitely use the color temp meter more. For for sure, yeah. on on all the TSM jobs, I mean, because well, I'm usually balancing and complementing. Yeah, I mean, the you existing gaff, light. You gaff what eighty percent of the TSM jobs, yeah, probably. Yeah, um, and um, it's very rare that I see the how light meter come out. How important is using that and making sure that the color temps are balanced the way they need to be? I mean, like, explain that for maybe oh someone that's you know up and coming and yeah. is used to maybe using the light that's provided in the room, I, and I mean, you know. First and foremost, uh, balancing index for skin tones to make sure people don't look too red, like a sunburn, or to make sure they don't look too green, you know, like they're sick. That's always the, one it's of the a, big ways you tell yeah, an indie film a, from, like, you it's know. A, it's a color rendering uh, index, and that basically is an average value of all the different wavelengths of light that come from a source and figuring out where it's missing um, a wavelength, you know, a, a wave, uh, uh, a nanometer wavelength of light is not to get too technical, but that's where, that's where you find its deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And then that's usually where you balance it. And when you use uh, equipment that's specifically designed for motion picture, photography, whatever, um, you know, those lights usually do not have those deficiencies. Unlike architectural lighting, fluorescent lighting, LEDs that go up in a house, etc. So, I'm so happy you went down the technical oh, route. Um, you know, in our in our GE package, we have um, one of my favorites, the light panel Gemini. Oh yeah, the Gemini. Yeah. And um, you use that color meter, and yep. then you end up calling out, uh, you know, minus four green, plus four. Yeah, I can dial in, and I can match to the lighting in the room. So it doesn't have any color contrast. How much of a fan are you of this new wave of RGB lighting? Oh, it's incredible. Um, what would have taken 2Ks, 5Ks, a dimmer console, and a ton of gel, party gel, that's very expensive per foot, um, we, we can do in a matter of seconds. What we just did on the speed of time with the Titan tubes, um, we couldn't have done that 
And it's on all loca- app controlled. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't have done that on location. We would have had to been on a soundstage with dimmer packs and tons of lights. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So explain the, the Titan tube situation to maybe something someone that doesn't know what a Titan tube is. All right, so uh, a Titan tube is a four-foot LED fixture. Um, but if you take those four feet and you break it up into four different sections, they're called pixels. You're technically, I'm sorry, four different sections, but there's two sections in each four sections. So there's 16 sections of lights, and each one of those can have thousands of color variations. Hmm. So if you imagine each one of those LEDs being its own light, that's what you can do with a Titan tube. And it's all controllable by an app. And it's all controllable via Wi-Fi connected to a Bluetooth transmitter that connects to your phone or iPad, and then they use a proprietary software for it. Yeah, so, I mean, like, given that, and we see where it's going now, you know, like, I can view the, the monitors on my phone. Right, yeah, I can, control the, I can control the apps from, I mean, the lights from my phone with the yeah. apps and all that stuff. I mean, really, kind of where do you see all this going next? Like, I mean, say, like, where you think it's going to go, but give us, like, the dream of, like, oh. what it actually could be the the crazy science of where you think it could do next uh, ultimately i think the next big technology and they're working on it already is replacing any of the larger higher voltage higher wattage fixtures um having those same output capabilities wattage wise uh as leds hmm. you know 18ks 12ks 20ks you know i i think that technology is definitely going to happen and so, Aerie just released the orbiter which is a new it's a game changer uh, for LED technology. Um, it uses, I, I haven't researched all the technology and don't quote me on it, but it uses the same type of LED technology that's in the sky panel. Hmm. Only there's, I, I believe there's like 12 different attachments that you can make the orbiter a Fresnel, a soft globe. Um, you can make it a gem ball. You can make it a pancake chimera. You can make it a Leco. Yeah, I was going to say you, you can turn it into a Leco. You can, you can do all sorts of different things with it. Now, granted... There are some drawbacks. I heard the light weighs like 42 pounds or something. It looks heavy. So it's a it's a beast of a fixture physically, um, but the output and everything and the technology, it's unmatched. I think you have an app through your phone. You can tr- control it. Yeah, you're not putting that thing on a C-stand. And eventually the weight will go on a combo, yeah. Yeah, I mean, eventually the weight will come down, though. Yeah. I mean, probably. I think most of it's a heat sink because <laughs> it has to dissipate all the heat that right. LEDs create while burning itself out of the diode. So maybe it'll lose like five pounds. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's still going to be on the heavier yeah, side. Yeah, you know, that's all, to, you know, sky panels. That's one of the biggest things. Um, people love sky panels, but whenever I'm on a show with them, you know, they're just, they're heavy, right? It, you're you're in your 12th hour and you, you're huffing sky panels around. And they're just heavy, yeah. right? I, so I'm, a lot of people are fans of them, <laughs> but I this, am not. But at the same time, you know, depending on the scale of how many sky panels you are using, oh yeah, you may maybe because your sky panel is in your interior, yeah. you don't need to run a lot of cable. No, and no, so that's, you're that's, not you're, and, you're exchanging cable running yeah, for you know heavy lamps. There's there's definitely yeah, and powered wattage consumption. Right. There's you definitely know I mean? there's there's there, definitely a lot of perks to it. But yeah, there's there's perks for ha- sure. Having the ballast. Attachment yeah, is something that just drives. That's every, a whole nother podcast. Again, we could get into the dynamics that's, that's of design. Where industrial I, design for Aerie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about. And that's where I'm not a fan. Is just because of the large compartments 
the but I I'm, the, I'm not gonna bash Sky Panel no or, no it, it because it was it was a game changer very, and, and we still use yeah, them to it, this day. Game I mean all the time. I just wish that the I mean ballast, I'm on sets and there's hundreds of them. Yeah. So I just yeah. wish the ballast was situation was addressed. But you know that's, and what what situation is that? that don't, the, don't 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 get them started. Please <laughs> don't. Please expand. No stop. Um, I'm actually curious. Oh, I, I'm a fan of the the Gemini's. Well, yeah, because the there's no external ballast. Yes. Yeah, the ballast they're, is integrated. They're lighter. I mean, you can get 80% of the output yeah. so for a lighter. Can you, why is that? Is there a reason that their ballast is integrated and Aries isn't? I have no idea. Hmm. I really... I People ask that question. I'm not sure. I think it's something to do with the architecture. Because, I mean, even then, you take the Gemini with the ballast integrated, it's still less weight than the yeah. sky panel. Yep. Yeah, I know on the Airy 360, it's because of balance and form factor. They put it separate, you know, so the mm -hmm. weight is not in the head of the light. Right. Well, and you have to remember the Gemini and the sky panel, it's not a one-to-one -one measurement. You're not getting, when the sky panel is at 100%. No, it's about 80% of the output. Exactly. Yeah. So... I don't know, but I, maybe that's just the brink of where you need to have the external ballast for right. power and heat. Heat. That, I, I mean, probably the biggest thing is just heat. And it's very possible. I don't know, Ari, if you're listening to this, yeah, maybe you could tell us. Tell us. Send us a message. Tell I, I'm us sure why. there's a reason why, and, and I'm sure. bet you can go on Reddit and yeah, figure I'm it out. Sure but somebody knows we just, why. We just haven't. But, um, um, but yeah. you know, that's why. That's why we have two and. In 2020, I wouldn't doubt if I buy a third, to be honest with you, because they're used on every single one of our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear the same stuff with cameras. You know, people talk about color space, color science and differences. You know, when you talk about Canon, the Fuji, they talk about skin color tones and how are they different, but then they're not. But if you really look at comparisons, they're not really that different. How do you feel about that science with the lights? Do you mean, do you feel like there's any real big difference <laughs> there or that, you know, most of your LED tech is pretty much all the same? Um, no, I mean, all the LED tech from what I've observed on set is, uh, there's definitely different factors. Um, the color science that, um, light panels uses, they use different light engines than what Airy yes, uses. I agree to that. And Airy is probably a little more color accurate, I've found. Especially with the, like the gel codes and everything, do you feel yeah. like that's pretty accurate too? Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're insanely accurate. Okay. Like on this last show, um, Alex would ask, "Hey, you know, put it in, put the sky panel in daylight mode, but then add quarter CTS to it, mm -hmm. color temperature straw." Mm -hmm. And I could either do it Roscoe or Lee, and it's all digital. It's all done through the menu of yep. the of the light. Um, and that's great. You know, it not only saves production expendables because I don't have to put gel in front of the light and cut it, mm -hmm. you know, because that's like 14 bucks on a frame. Um, it's just it's done. So what are the LED it's lights done, like, doing to the industry? I mean, because I mean, one thing we've saw popped up recently and we've talked about it a couple of times are board ops. Yeah. You know, are bigger nowadays than they used to be. Yeah. Programming. So, right. Programming, coding, scripting, anything. Um, to control those LEDs and to augment the the different types of uh, plugins and effects that you can do on those, I mean it, it's countless, right? Yeah, and so just for anyone that maybe doesn't know, board ops are basically now on set 
with all these LED yeah, lights, they can board be operator, yeah. together on a dimmer board like you would use on a stage yeah, at a theater. Yeah, very similar. And control the whole set from that board, and there's one guy there. Yeah, there's um, there there. That's a whole other world. I mean, now there's shows where you have people that are in the rigging departments that are literally just setting up universes and running Wi-Fi networks and DMX cables. And I mean, it's crazy if you look at Instagram and you see all the different systems out there. I mean, there's companies out there basically creating hardware to help these LED systems communicate. Hmm. It's, it's awesome. What's a universe for someone? A universe? Yep. Uh, so basically if you imagine, um, 512 channels, of connectivity to fixtures, um, universes are basically multipliers of that. So you can set up multiple 512 hmm. channels, basically. Yeah. I'm not a board op. Um, right. I play with it and I've done it before, but nothing to that scale of, you know, a major network show. Yeah, or I mean, just something. general. But yeah, no, universes are different um, areas of channels that can control different fixtures and do different things. So, what about the potential future? I mean, you said that, okay, we're going to have bigger f- fixtures, right? That'll be LED. Yeah. But when your brain is allowed to wonder. Oh, yeah. And you go like, what could we achieve? Where does it go? Because uh, I know you're a pretty technical guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I definitely think um, different rigging technologies and ways of wireless power, maybe. I, I don't know how it's going to be done. Not as probably as crazy as Tesla, you know, but I mean, we already have different types of patch panels and dimmer packs that can control things wirelessly via the DMX control modules and everything like that. Wireless charging would definitely be very handy for camera batteries. And yeah, like, you know, and, you know, but then going into this 3D space, um, also, how do we light that type of product? Right. Right. Because... If it's filming 3D, well, you have to put the lights in that space. How do you physically light it without seeing the lights? So that's interesting, how they would shoot plates or remove it and shade it and everything like that. Um, but really, I would say one of the biggest things is is um, lighting control without using different types of construction equipment, condors, um, flyswatters. Do you know, we'll be sticking lights on drones and... Yeah, that's, I think hopefully it's going that direction. I mean, I've definitely already seen people fly larger drones with tubes, you know, uh, battery-operated Titans and, you know, quasars and things like that. So, I mean, that would be pretty awesome if uh, one day, you know, you could fly a 360 in the air above a set with a drone. (laughs) Nice little overhead. Yeah, nice little overhead. I mean, but, you know, you spend, how much do you spend in a condor rigging and labor right. already? You know with what the I'm condor, saying? With the condor uh, rental and... Yeah, yeah, or, you know, you have a air star or source maker, a big balloon source in right. the sky to replicate moonlight. Well, you have to have it up there somehow. It's, so it's by some method, whether it's helium or... Uh, you know, drone, a drone, yeah. Hover it, or if you rig it in a cage and speed rail on a condor. Yeah, there's there's different ways, but I mean, I've been on all those scenarios, and it's 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 a labor intensive. I and tell there's you a lot what, of stuff. If there's a drone light that comes into play, audio is going to be so angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
They're already ang- they're already angry anyways. Well, but let's be honest. They ADR half the movies anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, was, it was like I seventy-five, eighty percent of movies but, are ADR. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you'll just see a boom op just throw it and walk off set. If they're really, I was joking with Nat when we were on the the museum, the Dolly Museum job the other day. I said, "Dude, you're just reference track. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's yeah. all you are anymore. You're reference." Well, you know, I've also heard that lighting is just for reference because nowadays what they, they can, can just do, do it all digitally. Yeah, yeah. but. I, there's arguments there, but I don't know enough about the argument to get into the argument right. of, well, if the lights and the photons aren't hitting the subject on camera, how are you going to add them? Because then you have to create shape and shadow and shading. I, I just feel like it's it's easier to do it. Well, and, in, and honestly, I still world. feel like the the heavily CG environments in movies... They still look heavily CG They still look heavily yeah. CG, and you can tell when those cg environments involve cg lighting here's the problem though you're looking through your own eyes yeah you're not looking through a person that just it doesn't work in the industry there's kevin's phone again just a shameless plug yeah anyways no it but that's one thing i also realized and that's just a little tangent that josh got started but um when you do this day in and day out you look at things differently. Yeah. I don't watch a movie the same way that somebody else does so, next to me in a theater. Yeah, I know you, I was talking to you the other day on the phone and you said you had started watching Jack Ryan. Oh yeah. I started watching the other day too. Yeah. Did yeah. you notice the scene when they're at the quinceanera for the Venezuelan president? Yeah. I and they look that. up uh-huh. and there's a huge ba- ultra bounce. Yeah. You, what was, was it, that a dome in the building? It, no, it was literally, they had just put the ultra bounce across the roof so that and was, the light was hitting it. That was the light control. Yeah. And it was, they were hitting it. The so lights was hitting it. It's funny that they, Josh brings this up because they I say, paused the freaking. It's uh, and Joe was like, oh I no, no, that's it. just like a, a, a thing for, I was like, no, no I, saw I seams. paused it. And I saw the, seams. That's exactly what I said to her. You see the stitching on the rag. All the seams yeah. going horizontally I across through wait there. To, we'll, be, we'll be watching that uh, probably starting this weekend. No, I, I saw you will see it clear as day. But here's what's crazy. But no one else would know what the fuck that is. So either they did that with a crane Right, overhead, well, it's like or they on did Bernie it the Dolphin, where we, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. take it and sure. put it over the dome. Sure, you go up there, they tie it off, they put it on whatever. It was, it was definitely, you know, rigged up there. Oh yeah, and I'm know. sure at the time they didn't think that the camera operator or the DP called it tilt up. Would, yeah, a massive I'm, tilt up. I'm, to I'm that sure level. they didn't plan on that yeah. because there's no way that would have. I, I don't and know. Then it, in, in the words of Martian, we will embrace it, my friend. Yeah, we'll you embrace know, it. They uh-huh. had no choice yeah. but at that point to just say, well, it's kind of light in our set. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to our buddy Marchin. Yeah, up so. in Chicago. <laughs> Probably freezing his butt off. He's right in LA now. now. Oh, he's in LA. Now, Did he when, move? when when we were at the premiere, uh, Cecil oh, and Lydell were telling right. me that he, he was in the move. process of moving yeah. to LA. Okay, so maybe that's he's why not wasn't That's good. Oh, he's quite warm. Hopefully, I'm Marchin. So, I mean, outside of that, dude, like, what would? Oh, well, so that's... we spend we spend all this time talking about like color science and all this stuff but yeah. what would if you go and look at movies like what's the last movie that you can remember that when you watched it you could you said like because we talk about okay we know how it's all done yeah right yeah. what's the last movie you can remember saying going i don't know how the fuck they did that how did they do that that's amazing oh well i mean this kind of goes back to the cg thing but uh lion king mm. that blew my mind and then i saw some asc articles on how the stage and how they shot it was like they were shooting a movie but they were using vr 
and Previs to see what they were shooting. Yeah, the camera operator would yeah. actually walk around, and as that he blew was my walking, mind. he was essentially he, he was in Africa. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. in Africa through the VR or technology. Wherever. Yeah, it was incredible. He yeah. would he would pan left, yeah. or tilt up, and it would the the yep. scenery would develop around the pan or the tilt. Yeah, the, the camera was basically locked into lidar or somehow they would recognize where he was in the positions of the coordinates yeah i, I don't know how, i don't know how it works but uh it's pretty awesome it's stuff. Only, it was almost like a sync out like you know just i don't even know i mean i have no idea straight sdi out and it was or sdi in rather and the camera was syncing to the well, technology it, it seems I, like, I don't it seems i don't like know the exact i'm just saying like yeah i mean this is all speculation but it seems like they built the environment and then they allow the camera to move through that environment almost like, like a, vi a video game like a video game exactly yeah, like basically. if you're playing call of duty and you take a left yeah. and next thing you know you're looking it's at a building basically an extension of what happened with avatar yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. just yeah. took it to the next that. level yeah. yeah but um as far as a live action movie yeah i'd have to think i really like john wick 3 Hmm. Um, I haven't seen it yet. What are you doing with your life? Um, moving oh, wow. with the baby on the way. All right, well, so, that's been that, out it, long It's been ago. out for like a year. I understand. It's in home movie now. I yeah. understand. You have to understand as well. On that, demand. That I have not had a house for two months. We moved. Okay, <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. And that's, All right, so anyways, they had some really cool scenes with some mirrors that were supposed to be in like a skyscraper in the headquarters, and that was pretty awesome how they, they used kinetic lighting movement in the lighting to mess with your mind thinking <laughs> it was the bad guys chasing Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. I like that. Uh, another thing, I'm trying to think. <sighs> what did I see? <laughs> I can't. I, I love that. All right, well, I think that sticks out, yeah. John, yeah, John Wick good. 3. Uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, man. And why? So the movie that got me into thinking, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. Uh, it was Jurassic Park, the original. Mm. Um, that that movie, it blew my mind. I feel like that when and Star Wars are the two movies that get filmmakers <laughs> into filmmaking. Yeah, Star Wars, uh, yeah. I'm saying Jurassic Park uh, yeah. and, uh, and or Star Wars. Well, I think I things. was already interested in dinosaurs. Mm. Uh, okay. So, like, seeing dinosaurs chase people. You know, with flares yep. and rain, and it was just—it was a really groundbreaking kind of big lights. It was easy awesome. to remember. You know, really stuck in your brain once you saw that film. At least when you were the age that we were at. Yeah, you know, I can't—I can't remember what I ate for breakfast last week, but I remember that scene when Alan Grant lit that flare, mm -hmm. and it reflected off a of T Rex, and it was like boom. Yeah, it was bumps. Def definitely know, no man. green screen there. No. No, that was robotics. I, I, I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah. It's day. just it's just a different uh, time of movie making. Yeah, and there's it, a there's the there's new Jurassic Park or Jurassic World three. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. They said the original cast is coming back, yeah, and it's yeah. going to be more like two. They did say that. I, as far as I'm concerned, the only one that ever existed was one. But two, I, I like, two wasn't terrible. Two wasn't terrible, but I'm still like they're. You can't change that. Yeah, yeah, you can't. So that movie, um, and then I'd say. Another one was Close Encounters, sorry, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, that movie was awesome. Um, my family has a music background. My mom was a church musician. So, like, I, I watched that movie when I was little, and my mom explained to me about the organ and communicating through music, and I really liked that movie, and I could appreciate it because it was communicating through light and music. Mm. So that was a cool movie for me, too, uh, when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, that's too solid. I, that might be the thing we have to do is uh, ask everybody their uh, favorite movie at the end of every episode. And uh, I mean, it's kind of a go-to question yeah. almost. And, and tally it up and see see what the uh, the numbers say. So Here, I'm going to ask who's you. Who's got the most? So uh, changing, putting the ball in my court now. <laughs> you, oh, you're going to be the host hey, real hey, quick? Hey, you're the guest here, kid. Yeah, but no, Kevin. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is V for Vendetta. We literally right talked on. about this before you were here today. Yeah, this, that was that was our lunch conversation uh, yeah, with Josh yeah. and I. So um, blasting me for not being here on time. Anyways, yeah. what's yours? Uh, clear and present danger. All right, yeah, yeah. Jack Ryan. Yeah. yeah. So, so Tom Clancy. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, I can definitely see that with Josh. Um, you know, he he likes his. Uh, he, he likes his violence. No, nah, man. Mean, he likes movie's it. not super violent. No, it's, he, he likes he likes the international espionage stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff, dude. I do, too. I just like a good thriller. I do, too, yeah. You know, I like yeah. to try and piece together, you know, what's happening yep. and, no. and kind of what's going on. Let me ask you this, since now we're on the record and stuff. Um, what did you like better, season one or season two? I'm only two episodes. Two, you know, three episodes into Jack Ryan. Oh, really? Oh, I won't know. Nope. So, right. but right now, I, I I like one better. Yep, yep. I talked to somebody else that is like diehard mm-hmm. espionage movies, mm-hmm. like me or TV shows, and he's like, "Yeah, one." Day. It just had a different feel when it was in the Middle East. Yeah, well, and it's not so much that, but I feel like they've went more towards the uh, fantastical mm-hmm. as far as what could happen. Because the big inciting incident for the whole series to mm-hmm. me, and yeah. two, because he hasn't seen any of it. Oh no. Nope. So the big inciting incident for season two for me that kind of puts everything in the motion. Yeah. Right, I feel like would have caused a humongous international incident. You're right. And yeah, it, you're right. It has done nothing of the sort. And so it's just yeah. kind of, it loses its its believability yeah, yeah, there yeah. for me at that point, especially well, when they're trying to trade on believability and real world trade craft and well, all those things. And that's things. why I like the first season yeah. because everything that went down in that first season it felt it, very real. It felt real. Yeah. yeah. It felt real. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know that world. Um, <laughs> Mark my oh, words, when we're on set next week, we'll be able to talk about it because... You're going to binge this shit? Uh, well, we move in tomorrow. It's not hard to binge it. We and he's got a new TV, so he yep. wants to try it out. Yep. Oh, wow. Brand new TV, brand Maybe new house. Maybe you can watch John Wick 3. Yeah, John Wick 3. My wife won't watch John Wick 3 with me. She won't. She doesn't really Why? care for those. She doesn't. But she, my mom, or, she will watch yeah, well, um, my my Jack mom. Ryan. She loved yeah, the first season. Casey, so. Kate, yeah, she won't watch John Wick because of the whole situation with the dog. Oh, you know I mean, yeah, she's a huge yeah, animal lover. Yeah, and I am too, but she wanted to punch TV when yeah, she like, yeah, I figured you know, this, I figured that would be the she case. She saw it in theaters, and she wanted to walk out. And that's the thing. I wasn't able to go to theaters. Josh is Rolling his eyes. Yeah, it's a movie, people. It's a movie. Um, she probably didn't like the first, the first uh, or second episode of Jack Ryan either. Then. She doesn't watch those. Yeah, Brittany, no. Brittany will watch Jack Ryan. She loved the first one, so um, oh, nice. I wouldn't doubt if uh, tomorrow when we're living in the house for um, and we put Connor to bed, we, yeah. I will end up watching probably like two episodes tomorrow night. Uh, nice. I, bet you so that's cool when when we're on set next week um what three days two days next week uh, and um we'll be able to talk plenty about it yeah cool. give, get a little debrief on the next episode so, so my right. last question Uh-oh. um more. is what do you feel like the biggest problem facing the industry is silence whoa the biggest problem facing the industry I mean, I see the industry from, you know, the trade side of Grip and Electric. Right. Um, I mean, I, and it's obviously a question that's going to be yeah. answered through your lens. Sure, sure. I'm fine with that. I, I'd say the biggest problem, and we were having this conversation on, on set of a big show the other day, um, was 
who wants to do grip and electric when they can go out buy a camera and shoot stuff and possibly make a pretty good living on YouTube on or, YouTube or distribution and really not knowing how it's done. Cause again, going back to learning from uh, industry veterans mm-hmm. of how things are done. Um, it's very hard to find people that are actually interested in the labor side of the film business to understand, you know, the agers, dyers, costumers, uh, props, all of that stuff, all the little intricacies that are involved. Um, people have no idea, you know, in the real world. And I say real world, I mean, in, in the world outside of the production communities, um, what's involved and just the manpower and the hours that are involved. Uh, I'll show pictures to just, you know, friends and family of what I'm working on. Like, Oh my gosh, that's so much stuff. And you're like, this is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like there's towns that they build out in the middle of the desert to shoot projects, you know, with thousands of people. So, and all around the world, um, I would say the biggest problem is having people be interested in the trade. Hmm. Uh, not so much. Yes. I want to go out and I want to make content, but I want to go out and be a part of a machine that's already going Right. to learn the different skills because you do have to learn you have to learn how to use the equipment properly, you know, about, and there's that whole thing, you know, politically about the trades in America and how well, nobody wants to work in the blue collar jobs, but they're very rewarding. I mean, that's how America was built. That's how our economy was built. Well, and I hate to say, so, if, if we start losing all the trades in our industry, it will be a bunch of YouTube videos with one guy with a right. camera and you will lose out on the Jurassic Parks and yeah. the, the Avengers and the... Well, I, I think... Unless it's all CG'd in the, I, I, in the future. I think what will happen is the barrier of entry, and I talked about that earlier, I think there'll be a separation between the big studio pictures and the smaller projects. I think I think the the unions and the non-union projects, there'll be a bigger divide. There's between, already a big divide. That's and, and I think there'll be a knowledge gap, right? Right. But between this is how it's done here and this is how it's done there. Because... I mean, I've worked on projects here where I'm like, how are they even making these projects? Like, this is nuts. It, it, I just, it's not how it's done. Right. But somehow it gets done. Right. <laughs> now, it might not be safe and it might not be uh, the way it's supposed to be done. And I don't want to leave this on a, a bad note, but it's true. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and some people, they learn filmmaking from YouTube videos. <laughs> right. So. Which is not necessarily a terrible way. There's there is good information out there, but right. you do need to, you know, how do you qualify what's good and bad information if you've also never really done it? Right. So right. It's 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 tough, but yeah. I would definitely say the trade side. Yeah. And I think all of the unions agree, and all the different people. I would say that it's kind of like a consensus. Yeah, I, and I think the information really needs to be put out there that look, you can make a really good life for yourself working the trade side of movies sure. and being unionized yeah. and how important that is and, you know, yeah, and have I, benefits and health care yeah, and make oh, sure. really good money doing it and, you know, have a good career with wonderful people. Yeah. I know? I know people that one of their first big jobs that they got, I mean, they created a living off of. Right. I mean, they bought their first houses. Yeah. You know, I mean, they made six-figure salaries being third, fourth on the totem pole in their department. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad living. Now, granted, it's a lot of work, and it's not for the meek, 
and it's not for somebody that just wants to push paper all day. Right. I will say that. <laughs> and you, you have to want to do it. So last question, what, what is one thing that someone in the industry has told you that has kind of stuck with you through the years? Because I know there's, I, I know some of them that we've talked about in the past, but what's the one thing that like someone, you know, higher up has kind of given you a tidbit of knowledge on or kind of said one, you know, piece of advice to you that's just like years later, it still stands out. I would say once you find something that you enjoy and that you're good at and that it works with who you are as a person, with your personality, I would say stick to that and do that to the best of your ability. Right. Don't bounce around. Once you're known as that one type of person, represent yourself as that one type of person. I mean in that position, in that department. Stay right. in that. Become become an expert, right? Mm-hmm. Learn that trade and learn from the best people you can. Surround yourself with people that are knowledgeable, safe, and that that you enjoy working with. Yeah. That's what I'd say. I'm sure there's more, but that's what I thought of. Joe, you know, I mean, enjoy working with is a is a big piece that's not talked about a lot either because, yeah. you know, no hard feelings to anyone. Sometimes you don't get jobs, but it's like the the industry is so insular that, you know, a lot of times these jobs are so hard, they're so long hours that you really just want to be on them with people that you know and trust and you have fun with. Oh, absolutely. And the last thing you want to do is like bring some new cat into the mix that yeah. you don't know how he's going to act or be. Yeah. And it's just, right. you know, create a bunch of problems on something that's already kind of got people at their well, wits end sometimes, you and, know? And so. another, and here's another saying, you're only as good as your last job. Right. <laughs> Meaning you're only remembered... For that last job. You, I, think no, the, I think you're taking that from me. I second have, and third. I have a tattoo that says you're only as good as the last thing you've done. And oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's um, right across his ass. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Wow. Um, and in the final hour, we went there. <laughs> um, yeah, professor told me that. Okay. Um, said it, said it in, in class. It was a writing class. And, yeah. Um, so I didn't go to school for... I was I didn't go to film school. I was actually denied. Fun fact. So I went into media production, and yep. uh, the um, one of the professors I had, I you know, one semester took a writing class. I'm not right. a writer, but I you know needed to understand some of the principles sure. behind it. Yep. And she said, um, you know, you're only as good as the last thing you've done. Yep. And you can have a incredibly successful job, and yep. or a not at all successful job. You can fall flat on your face. Yep. Um, and they can be back to back. Um, they could be one job on a Monday and one job on a Wednesday and whatever the Wednesday job is, is what you're going to be remembered for. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's, uh, that's very true in this industry. And, uh, you know, we've all failed. We've all had our bad days. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you, it happens. It happens. You just have to that ensure moving parts. You have to ensure that the next day you come out, you, um, put your best foot forward because, uh, unfortunately you will be remembered for that last bad day. You know, if right. you, if you dropped a light or you dropped a lens or, um, yep. you know, you kicked the DP on accident, <laughs> uh, whatever the case, but that's not a personal example. That's just yeah, a yeah. random thing I thought of. Yeah. Um, but that's what you're going to be remembered for. And, um, you know, you could have, um, I've actually seen someone format a card before. 
Um, mm. You know, I've, I've yep. on set yeah. had had not made it to DIT for some inexplicable reason. He he took the card out. He went in. Um, if I if memory serves correctly, he went and got coffee, had the card in his hand, and ended up talking to someone, and then went back to camera and so I've got never something. never handed the card to DIT. And in that five or six minutes to get coffee, That's a, that one really hurts. He, so I've, he made a lap back. To yeah, it, went, yeah, he yeah. made a lap back to camera, put it back in, sipping his coffee, formatted, and went. Oh shit! That's not the card I was. So, and he formatted a card. So I've got two <sighs> two other things that that just reminded me of. The first thing was what somebody had told me um, when I was coming up was uh, if you're offered help, accept it. That's always important, right? You're all on the same team. Yes. So if somebody offers to help you do something, always let them, right? If I'm a day player on a show, like I, I gaff, right? But when I'm on a bigger show, I could just be a hammer or an electrician, right? And if somebody offers me a better way to do something and they're my boss, or even if they're just a guy and he's older than me, right? I, 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 I accept the help and I accept his way to do it. Because you never know what you're going to learn. You're always learning. And that's one thing I love about this business, right? You can always learn things. Even if you're the department head, I I work for a, a key grip and he was telling me, he's like, oh, I'm always learning things too, you know? And he's he's at the top of his game, man. And uh, he loves what he does, but- And it's easy for people he's to humble, say that. Right? It's, he's humble. But you have to be able to prove it to yourself. Yeah, and absolutely. I, mean, I think, we, uh, you know, at one time or another, we've all said like, oh, I, I learn all the time. Sure. But we all have to admit that there's probably that one or two days that we kind of closed our mind off. And oh, didn't, sure. But oh, absolutely. as long we're as- We're human. You know, and exactly we're human. So, you know, just- and, uh, and, and then this goes to my next point. And I learned this at the production company that I was running for the time. Uh, attention to detail is- Critical. Everything. What Kevin just said about the guy formatting the card. That's attention to detail. Yep. Making sure the lunchbox is off. Yep. That was my best boy's attention to detail. Because yep. had that box been on, somebody could have possibly gotten hurt. Yep. Going back to that story about Drapati and being on the balcony with the water. Um, attention to detail is key, right? Whether... You're yep. in pre-production, production, or post. Yep. Your your best boy made the right decision yeah. by, first of all, listening to you, but yep. also having the common sense to not turn it on right. 20 minutes later because he felt like it. He just right. said, you know what? Andrew said not to. We don't need it right now. Yeah. Uh, bad weather's coming in. I'll keep it off. And sure enough, that was the right decision that yeah. the guy who formatted the card um, made a very poor decision. I mean, he- Well, he wasn't thinking. The first thing he should have done- He probably didn't think, oh, I'm going to format this card. Exactly. It's not captured. He should, well, yeah, I mean, you, just, you, you get a card, you go straight to the dit. Yeah, to go straight to DIT. Yeah. Um, Attention and, to detail And can then be, you get your coffee, and then you catch up with whoever you see along your way back to camera. There were a number of former employees that I probably had to tell them this, I don't know, six times a day, because- they cost us a lot of time and money because they couldn't pay attention to the details of their job. This is why you're at the agency? Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it, it, we'll leave it at that. It, it's important. And if you're going to do a job, do it well. Yep. And be proud of it, right? And neatness counts. I'm thinking of them. I got my brain thinking. Right. It's important to be neat, right? Because... There's a lot of stuff, especially in grip and electric. There's a lot of equipment. There's a lot of stuff that can get missing, lost, pieces of a light, lens boxes, scrims, anything. Like, there's different parts of systems that can get lost. Low boys. 
Yeah, people can forget <laughs> equipment and locations when they don't pay attention to where stuff's located and left. Y'all got on me so bad for getting on that boy for that, but... Oh, don't, no, don't bring that into this. No, 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 no. no. Gear can be lost. You might listen to this. Gear can be lost. Whoever you are. It's, Jeremy, it's, we love you. It, oh, it, it wow, happens. he did it. Yeah, why not? Jeremy, we love you. Oh, he, he owned it. Oh, yeah. He, he was yeah. so professional about it, and that's the, all you can the, ask for. The thing is, though, is that's attention to detail. Yeah. But that was honestly his only mistake. Yeah, and it no, was, it's and it was a, it, it Quite frankly, best. it was... So, for the record, uh, crew guy just left a low boy mm-hmm. on the second floor. He left of, a piece of equipment. A piece of equipment on the second yeah. floor. It was in a really incredibly weird spot. Um, when the client informed us that it was left behind, we yeah. picked it up. And uh, the crew member apologized and was very professional about it. And, yeah. and that's kind of we one thing. We recovered the item. And that's, L&D you know, something left. that, you know, I know Andrew and myself talked to, yeah. you know, some of the other grips and people that work for TSM. Yeah. Um, if you make a mistake, just own it. Yep, yep. Just own it. Apologize. Yep. Understand and move on. Because... Quite frankly, unless you format a card, uh, you're probably going to be hired again. I mean, yep. I don't. Yeah, that's. I, that's I actually know firsthand that that guy was not hired by that company again. Uh, you, you can't. That's really hard to come back from. No, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Um, but going back to the neatness thing, and I'm going to keep. I'm going to beat this one because there's so many departments with so much stuff on set. If you can stay organized, that shows the producer and the people that are hiring you and paying for all this equipment to be out there that you are competent and that you know what you're doing because you can keep track of all your stuff. Yeah, it, It's just like walking into a messy office at a business, right? You, you, it doesn't matter who you are. If it looks messy, that's going to turn you off yep. to maybe whatever business you're about to do because you start passing judgment. Same thing with all the equipment. I've been on so many shows where there's stuff everywhere. And I'm like, well, you can't find anything. How, how do you know where anything is? Not organized. Yeah. It's crazy. So... I think that was good, man. We had a great time. I appreciate you for coming in. I mean, yeah, we got welcome. a lot of history for the, the three for of us, Brohemes together. I couldn't, you know, think of a better person to like do our, you know, first episode with. Hey, thank you. Than you. That means a lot. But um, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do so? Yeah. Uh, I would say you could look me up on Facebook, on Messenger or but something. He's never on it. I'm never on Facebook, but you can always email me at. Aortoski at gmail.com. That's A-O-R-T-O-S-K-I at gmail.com. You can send me hate mail, I guess, too, for anything I said about, you know, Harry or Sky Panels or anything, too, I guess, to that. Uh, a second secondary way to get a hold of him is um, the two-story media accounts. You can always message uh, oh, Facebook yeah. or Instagram, yep. Yep. Um, and we can get the message to Andrew quite easily. Yeah, I don't do a lot on social media. It's just I don't I don't know. I got to get better at that. But uh, I'll admit it. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with Everybody's that. Everybody's staring at me right here. Whether they Kevin and Josh, whether been, they send you, know. you an email or they, like I said, reach yeah, out I, to. Yeah, I uh, will respond to email. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm I get back to people. So, yeah. yeah, and if and sure. um, if you don't remember that or um, or Toski is too difficult to spell, you can always it's um, or to ski like I'm or to skiing. That yeah. still does not no clarify R-T-S-K-I. anything. It's not hard. <laughs> um, yeah, just reach out to the TSM social accounts um, with your name and email sure. address, and we will ensure that Andrew gets the question and can uh, go from there. So um, definitely appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I love talking I, about lighting with people. I, I so. would imagine we will have you back on uh, at some point to talk about additional projects or... Yeah, this is I, probably better than I do on the talking stories. So uh, well, I you, don't like being on camera. But yeah, well, this is, talk. you know, good thing this is not camera then. Yeah, oh yeah, that'd be bad. So, uh, thank you very much again, and uh, welcome. Thanks, and, thanks for and, having me. Until next time. All right, guys, see ya.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry. If you gained any value from the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any suggestions for guests or topics, contact us on Instagram at Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry. This show was recorded at Two Stories Media Studios in Clearwater, Florida, and produced by Two Stories Media and Greenlit Entertainment.